1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome into Players Only with Chiefs Radio Network color analyst Dana Hughes. Nice slant route. This is a business decision. You know you're gonna take a lump. And former linebacker Sean Barber.
0: There's a thing called street justice. You take care of yours. Yeah. You take care of your family, take care of your chicken,
2: take care of your money. <laughs> On your official broadcast partner, the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
3: What's good, Kansas City, Chiefs Kingdom. We are back in the building. Welcome back as we get down the home stretch, the the rough days of the season, the December football. This is Danon Hughes here with you as I am each and every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. on Players Only. I am waiting for my special guest. Just the fact that it's 6 o'clock and I'm waiting for him, you know what side of the football he plays on, and it's not the offense, but I'm not going to introduce him yet. We'll get started, kick things off. As we got to recap this last week, a rough week in the Chiefs' kingdom, a rough week at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Tough, tough loss, y'all. I get it. I was in the booth. If you don't know, uh, I am in the booth. This is my fourth season in the broadcast booth with my partner Mitch Holtus and Dan Israel and Josh Klingler. Uh, It's been a true, true blessing to be a part of these broadcasts every single year, uh, experiencing three Super Bowls. Uh, It's been amazing, but there are some frustrations, and I'm justifiably so out in the Chiefs' kingdom, and I know that you all have some frustrations as well. That's why we have the phone lines, the text lines are open, 913-576-7610. So text us, call us. We'll get to you in the third quarter of the show. Uh, But, yeah, the frustrations are real, uh, and I understand it. And here's why. Because we've set the bar so high, you've heard me reference that we are spoiled, here in the Chiefs' kingdom, and it's a good spoiling. Uh, It it took us decades to get to the point where we've been spoiled with consistent winning. So it's justified that when you have set that bar of hosting five straight AFC championships and being in the midst of uh, basically two plays away from going to 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 back-to-back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls, uh, the bar is set high, and it's understandable. And with that, especially with the dominance that we've had at Arrowhead Stadium for decades, um, when you lose games at home, it hurts even more. Uh, The fact that we have five losses on the season and three of those have come at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium is a a source of pain or frustration for a lot of Chiefs fans, and I get it. So I want to hear from y'all at 913-576-7610. But let's just recap as we do in the first quarter of every show. Recap last week. I know it, it, it doesn't sit well with a lot of y'all, and uh, but we still got to go through it. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from the losses. There's no moral victories, but there's definitely things that you can pull from every single game, especially in the NFL, the Chiefs. Got behind for the third straight game, which hasn't happened since 2012. It hasn't since been 2012 since we've been behind double digits in three consecutive games. So that's number one. We allow teams to get ahead of us, and then we have to play uphill. We have to row uphill in water. We have to tread uphill in mud to get back to a place where we're not predictable on offense where our defense can play a little bit more freely and um, we can put ourselves in a position to win. Now, fortunately, because we have the best player in the NFL, fortunately, because we have one of the most dynamic tight ends to ever play the game, we're able to come back in a lot of those games. And there's been times where we've been able to win, but that's something that you can't make a uh you can't have any consistency trying to do coming from behind, especially against desperate teams. And that's what we've been facing. And that's what, to be honest, in December, um, that's what you're going to face is desperate teams. You're going to face either teams that are vying for seeding in the NFL or in for the playoffs. You're going to be playing against teams that are basically have started the playoffs because of their records, like the Bills. Or you're going to be playing against teams that recognize that they have no hope for the postseason and they're just trying to play spoilers and, more importantly, trying to save their job. So those are the three phases of of teams that you're going to play in December. And so far throughout Patrick Mahomes' tenure, we've been outstanding in December football and carried a lot of that momentum into January. So this is unfamiliar territory to not only lose two of the last uh, two consecutive games, four of the last six games, and put ourselves in a position where the Denver Broncos are knocking on the door, uh, we're moving down in the seating, and we might be in a position where Patrick Mahomes will play his first postseason game. On the road. Now, there's still a lot of football to be played. Still got four weeks left in the season or four games left in the season. So the fact remains is that we are still in driving position, uh, but we're not necessarily where we want to be. Now, I want to put a little extra spin on that or a different spin on that because not being where we want to be is not necessarily a bad thing after last week. And why I say that is if you listen to the show, throughout the season, you've always heard me talk about not caring whether we're the best team in September, not caring whether we're the best team in October or even November. But usually, especially over the last three years since I've been in the broadcast booth and had this Players Only show, the tone changes in December. Uh, And that's why I am sounding just a bit different because – December football is when you're supposed to hit your stride. And with lapses and focus, uh, still the drops being a factor, uh, ball security being an issue, uh, we're not necessarily in the place where we need to be. But the encouraging factor is is that because of the legwork we did early in the season, because of the grind and the success that we had early in the season, we can weather this storm now and still be confident that we're going to get to a point where we're going to play championship-style football. And that's what we're looking for. There are teams, the Denver Broncos, they've had championships. I was on the other side of the field when they were hoisting two consecutive Super Bowls up, so I know that they have a mindset about that, but it's been so long, and they're in a position now where they're hoping and they're praying. And then just like every other uh, several other teams in the NFL, they are in hope mode. We are in expect mode. And that's a good position to be. Now, my guest, as I mentioned, you know what side of the football he was on, because he's eight minutes and ten seconds late (laughs) to the show. I'm going to introduce my brother, Jersey brother, in the house. Yes, sir. Desmond Moses, former linebacker for the Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. Yes, Welcome, man. Right.
4: Man, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to get on with you. And we, we, I was about to,
3: I was about to send a GM to ask you for your playbook. <laughs> Say, this come, right. come visit me and bring your playbook. That trash you bag, huh? <laughs> <And> the trash <laughs> that bag, huh? And the trash bag. Clean out your locker. The green, you know big green trash bag. Trash bag, bag. Well, I appreciate you coming out, man. I know yes, I sir. gave you a little late notice this morning. You had to shuffle some things. There's some tra- uh, traffic outside, so I appreciate you coming out, man. No doubt, no doubt. Thanks for having me. I got a chance to kind of give an overview of what I saw in the last game. I didn't get into the specifics. You know, obviously, everybody wants to talk about the offsides, lining up offsides by Kadarius Tony, the drops, some of the glaring things that popped out. But I'm interested in your perspective, uh, from not just this game, but because you know you, this is your first time on the show this yeah. year. Yeah. Like we're we're in uncharted territories with two consecutive losses right you do an excellent job on kctv5 and doing a pregame show and for all the listeners out there if you get a chance turn on kctv5 and you'll hear desmond moses or watch desmond moses go through a pregame show outstanding job and he's been doing that for about four years now as well but your perspective very unique perspective what you got
4: yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. I talked a little bit about the Eric Bieniemy factor. You yeah. know, I think he's a guy that's been overlooked. You know, we we gave a lot of the credit to Andy, and rightfully so, one of the best offensive coordinators in the National Football League. But EB was one of the guys who held everybody accountable. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of uh, a brush-up when he first got to
3: uh, Redskins. Yep. To
4: the, not the Redskins, excuse me the Washington Commanders mm-hmm. um, about the players and how he their approach well you look at their offense they're a top 3 offense in the league and, and we probably can't name their quarterback right now that just goes to show that that accountability is is priceless i think his value is showing right now but all in all we're looking at a team that just we got to button some things up you know yeah. i think it's about the day in and the day out grind even down to the drops down to lining up offsides these aren't things that just happen on game day yeah these are things that are overlooked at practice. I think some bad habits that have been created, and for the Kansas City Chiefs, these guys—they are professionals. We know they can catch the football. Mm-hmm. We know they know how to line up on sides, communicate with the referees. I think it's about locking in that focus, that aspect of really locking in and understanding. Hey, this is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, this isn't—you know—this is a window that's very, very—it's um, wide right now. But this is a special opportunity that you cannot waste, and for these young guys. And guys that are new to this organization, they got to get on board. They got to understand the type of work that goes into it, day in and day out. Because detailing your work is a very important part of this business. And you can see Patrick Mahomes; he's frustrated right now with with the level uh, of some of the guys around him.
3: Yeah, I, I want to go back to one of your points because, as I mentioned, you played with the Chiefs, you played with the Green Bay Packers, and the first thing that came to my mind it was the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, having uh Brett Favre, and then transitioning into Aaron Rodgers, and having that, that basically that reign of multiple MVPs Good. and and the playmaking ability and game changing ability of Aaron Rodgers to the tune of only one Super Bowl win. Right. And so I kind of go back to what your point was about the window. Like yeah. we're we're living in the window now, and we think it's supposed to be a window that's supposed to be large and it's supposed yep. to be long. But you can look back at the Drew Breeses, the every every single Hall of Fame quarterback had that window. Besides window. Tom Brady, every <laughs> other one open. had a window that <laughs> thought was gonna. We thought we were gonna see multiple Super Bowls, only yeah. to see that window close pretty quickly. So, not to not we're not trying to, you know, throw salt on anybody's Christmas lists and Christmas <laughs> feelings and all that, but just being real yeah. about that those frustrations.
4: Well, you know, there's another piece too. You know. My rookie year, I got a chance, obviously, to play with one of the goats, a guy I often compare to Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. And at the time, he had a Greg Jennings. He had James Jones. Mm -hmm. He had a Jermichael Finley, Mm -hmm. a Randall Cobb, uh, a young Jordy Nelson. You know, he had these weapons, and each game, I mean, there were times he'd come over to the sideline and wink at us. Mm -hmm. We'd be down by seven because we already knew, we anticipated what he was going to do. There was a level of expectation. Kansas City has that right now when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. So for these other guys, you know, it it becomes a challenge when you pay a guy like you do Patrick Mahomes because then you have to get guys and start to trust in other guys who are, you know, maybe not the top tier, maybe not the Tyreek Hills. Mm -hmm. But still, that's where the professionalism comes in. These guys just got to get on board, understand, hey, I got to be super accountable because this guy is special. He's going to make my job a lot easier, but I have to do my job on a very consistent basis.
3: Yeah, and, I'll, and going back to one of your other points about EB, Eric B. not being here. Now, I say this because it's not necessarily my position. Uh, like, I, I really like Matt Nagy. I like, obviously, I love Andy Reid. I love this coaching staff, Steve Spagnolo, Dave Tobe, and the list goes on and on. But there's a dynamic of having that fiery coach. Yeah and and it's and it's one of those deals where if it's if that fiery coach is the coordinator and you've been in the locker room, I've been mm-hmm. in the locker room, we've been in team meetings, then we've been in breakout meetings and the accountability that comes up the 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 butterflies or whatever that goes on in your gut yeah. when you know you're going to have to sit in front of a meeting of you with your peers and the coaches and watch the film because the film doesn't lie mm-hmm. and be accountable to whatever fire, whatever venom comes out of the coach's mouth. <laughs> you got around 40 of your teammates if you're on offense, 30, 40 of your teammates on offense, 30, 40 are your teammates on defense with the practice squad guys in there and the assistant coaches. And you're gonna be held accountable. You're gonna be called to the carpet. And whether and that's not not just meaning the the meeting rooms. Yeah. That's the sideline. Coming to the sideline after every series between every play. When I've had holding penalties on uh, as a wide receiver trying to block if I missed a pass or if I wasn't where I was supposed to be like it wasn't like yeah I had to look my teammates in the eye but yeah. they make they make mistakes too but going to the sideline is different with that it's coach <laughs> different with that when you got that one coach that's going to be in your ear and you don't know if he's going to make an example of you I think that maybe that part is not necessarily that Eric Bieniemy himself is yeah. missed but maybe that component of the fiery guy that's in the face of each guy. And, and to me, maybe that's an aspect of seeing Patrick Mahomes kind of go off, the mm-hmm. frustration showing itself because we had never seen that side of him as well.
4: Yeah, well, there's different dynamics. You know, Nagy's been here a while. Eric mm-hmm. bien has been here. And sometimes, you know, even players, certain players can see you in a certain light, even though you've been, you've been elevated within the organization some guys just have a certain, you know, feel for certain coaches. Yeah. You know, they it, it's certain understanding. But a guy like Eric Bietam, you know, I've seen him, and I tell a story often, I've seen him go toe-to-toe with Jamar Charles. Mm-hmm. You know, because Jay Charles didn't come out to practice on time or, you know, didn't jog past a certain point. And this was prime Jay Charles, you know. And there, yeah. I mean, there might have been moments where people thought we had to break this thing up. We're like, yeah. okay, hold on, what's going on? Fifteen minutes later, these guys are hugging each other's neck, not because you know they they didn't have something real, but because the respect was there. Yeah. And Eric Biondi, not only does he do a great job of of holding guys accountable, he also can come over and hug your neck and say, "Hey, I love you." And, and this it, is why.
3: <laughs> and one of the greatest part of it is he's kept the uniform. Yep, it, did, it wouldn't matter. We've all had those coaches that we had some coaches that were idiots that would just, <laughs> you know, pick and choose who they would go after. But then the great coaches that had impacts on our lives from Pop Warner to high school to college Absolutely. and in the NFL are the ones that kept everybody accountable. And that's the true testament of building a championship style. Absolutely. right?
4: Because that's how you build depth.
3: You yeah. know, you, you hold everybody accountable. All right. So we, well, we got to go to a break. We're two minutes late for our break because we had how many minutes late from our guests Threw us off seven (laughs) minutes. Seven minutes, Julio. We'll we'll forgive him after (laughs) quarter two.
2: Players Only with Dana Hughes. Thursday night starting at 6 o'clock. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Bono looking to pass the football, goes in the middle, Kansas cut. touchdown Kansas City, touchdown Chiefs, touchdown Chiefs, Dana Hughes, took the bullet over the middle from Steve Bono. First to 10 for the Chiefs at the 14 of the pass, Skeeters, pass. halfback pass, Marcus Allen right side, touchdown Kansas City, Danan Hughes. Marcus
4: Allen. Expert analysis. News and views from Chiefs Radio Network color analyst Dana Hughes.
3: This so-called number one defense in the NFL that hadn't played anybody during the last part of the season. And we showed who was the best team on this field and deserved to host another AFC Championship for four straight years.
1: But you can call it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. D
1: nice.
3: One of these days, I'm gonna get in my I'm gonna get in my ego, Julio, and I'm gonna say, "Replay that, son." <laughs> like but I'm that. not going to do that now. I'm not going to do that now. We're back. This is Dane and Hughes with players only. Julio's already nodding. No, he's not going to do it. Don't concede to my ego. I appreciate that. That's good teamwork. We got a special guest in the building, Desmond Moses, former linebacker with the Chiefs and the Packers, former Hawkeye, oh, yeah. former uh, university was it, Tulane Green Wave. Green Wave, baby. Oh, yep, yeah. Green Wave as well. Yeah. Fellow Jersey Cat, yes, South sir. Jersey, a little yeah. different, but they still, they still <laughs> Jersey. <laughs>
4: Jersey, yeah. Jersey strong. You can't rip too, Jersey too much out here in KC, man. I know, It'll man. Get us off the air. Still trying to
3: find some good pizza. <laughs> I heard pizza, pizza Stacio. I heard that with uh, Carrington. He was, he was endorsing that. So I'm gonna have to go and check it out. Huh. Yeah. Let but, me know. Let me know how. I need some good pizza. Let yeah, me know. Yeah, I'm always looking for some good pizza, man. So the phone lines, text lines open nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Before break, we were talking about where this Chiefs team is, this last loss, the previous loss, the fact that they don't—they haven't lost two games in a row since 2012, and where we stand now. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. We're still on track to get where we need to be. And uh, un- unlike other teams that may have peaked already, and we've seen the best of them, we have not seen the best of our Chiefs team. Uh, the best is still yet to come, and we're still figuring out how to win games. All right, in the second quarter, as we do here every week, Desmond, I know you just come in a couple of times a year, and I appreciate you. Yeah. It's the hot sure. fire, Spitfire takes, and I'm putting you on the hot seat right now. This can span anything. It can be sports-related. It could be, you know, anything that comes to your mind that's been in your heart that yeah. you feel like, I want to exhale this hot fire right now. So I'm going to give you the platform Julio. Yeah. He's the judge. So he right. going he going to give you a wah wah or right. he going to give you some other some other thing. So
4: my, my hot take right now uh Draymond Green, you know, as an outside linebacker, I'm all about the violence. Look, trust me. I love to put my hands on people. <laughs> that that was our job, you know, to, yep. to strike men, to not only put fear into them but, you know, to impose our will on them. But that's football. Draymond Green decided he wanted to play basketball. He slapped a man the other day in game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so bad to where I seen it on Instagram and they had to blur out the the actual contact. Yeah. You know, and I uh, Mons, he's always been one to press that line over his career. Mm-hmm. It's what made him special. I think his team even expects that from him to a certain extent. You know, the guy who's willing to get dirty, the guy who's willing to defend his teammates. But we've seen him cross the line a couple of different times now. One being – Where he grabbed another another guy, you know, this is a brotherhood now. Yeah, in the NBA, in the NFL, there's a certain unwritten code. He's Mm -hmm. crossed the line one time with the chokehold, a naked chokehold from behind. I mean, that's dangerous. But to turn around and 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 I saw the play. It wasn't egregious, you know. It wasn't out of character. He was being held a little bit. He turned, swung, and hit a man. For me, I love Draymond. I love his energy. But this isn't the way you go about playing basketball. I'm a basketball lover, a fan, a fanatic of the game. Still
3: play basketball.
4: Still play it. Y'all can get it. Y'all just holler at me if y'all want to get some work. But (laughs) this is not the way you play the game of basketball. This could have escalated. This could have really been ugly for the game of basketball. And I think, like they said in the postgame, Draymond got some some things he needs to iron out. But he got to do so before it ends up ruining his career and changing the narrative of a beautiful Hall of Fame career that he's putting together.
5: All
3: right. (laughs) <laughs> Julio, Julio, be generous to everybody but me. That's all right, Julio. I feel you. I give you. I, I will say to kind of tag on to that. Uh, you know, some of the telling things about Jurkic saying, "Dude's got a problem," yes. and what many people might think is, "Okay, it was a flailing elbow. It's not right for the game." But he didn't get knocked out. He didn't do this. Dude didn't do that. You and I have been in locker Shit. rooms. And on the field, different sports, but we've been in that situation where you think in your head, I wish that cat would. Yeah. And then if you put yourself in a position where it might happen, not even that it would happen, that it might happen, you're already in reflect mode. You're already Correct. You're already in fight mode. So when you talk about protecting the players and the, and the NBA recognizing this with the indefinite suspension, I get it because – there's got to – he's not the toughest cat in the league. Right. There's exactly. always somebody tougher. Right. Right? So, if he's not the toughest cat in the league and I am one of the tough guys or I'm trying to protect one of the weaker guys on my team, he just got to look like he almost about to snap. Right. And that's going to make me want to snap first. Correct. So – Because he has a reputation. Exactly. So, to me, that's why you got to – I think the indefinite suspension and the the – the unwillingness by him to recognize his issues is true, a true testament to protecting everybody. Because yeah. it's not just protecting everybody. When everybody thinks about you got to protect everybody from him, it's not just about his elbow or his choke. It's going to be about protecting everybody from the thought of, let me get mine off first. Correct. Like, I don't need to retaliate. <laughs> let me get this one. Let me throw mine first because he's gonna possibly come.
4: Well, you can trust and believe there's other tough guys, like you said, around the league, say saying in their head, hey, let him try that versus us.
3: Yeah. Or and look then, like it.
4: And then you have a, a a deal like you had in the palace oh, back yeah. in, in the Detroit. mouse and
3: the palace with, with Ron Artest and And that
4: was horrible for the brand. You know, yeah. really good players that again, their their careers narrative was changed based yeah. on that night. Let's not have that happen for the NBA. I think Draymond's a better player than that. You gotta, you gotta get a little bit, a little bit of control. Yep.
3: <laughs> all right. So, Julio, my hot fire, spitfire take is involving the officials. You could probably give me a want, want already because you, uh, I know how you be feeling about me complaining about the officials. But I'm still gonna speak my piece. The rest. There's so many judge. I'm gonna condense it because I know we're upon a break. There's so many judgment calls in a game. We all know that there could be a holding on every play. There could be a pass interference or a holding downfield on every play. There can be uh, multiple infractions, how quick a tackle gets off the line of scrimmage and how it could be a fraction of a second in regards to a false start. Uh, the delay a game penalty. Like we, You already know that there's flexibility in that. When right. it hits zero, they don't throw the flag at zero. They look up right. at the clock and give you one extra second. So there's so many judgment calls. Some people will argue, okay, in the Super Bowl, it was a judgment call on the pass interference on Juju Smith-Schuster, who we're going to play this week with the the, uh, Patriots. My contention is, and this is part of my, if I was the commissioner as far as the rules, if it impacts the play or it looks like it would have been a factor in the play, you throw the flag. Otherwise, you hold on to the flag. So going back to the Super Bowl, the only reason I endorsed that flag and thrown, not because I was a Chiefs fan, not because I was in the booth, not because I wanted another ring. It was because he was the intended receiver. If he was not the intended receiver, I would have been totally okay with them holding the flag in their pocket and not throwing it.
4: So do we need to change these five-yard holding automatic first down calls away from the pass, backside?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Backside stuff. Drive, drive. Continuers. (laughs) The mechanics would. The mechanics would be, and I don't know if we have enough time, Julio. I know we're up against it. Would be, I'm an official. I see an infraction. The first place I look after it is the quarterback. If he's looking that way, Hmm. the flag gets thrown. If he's looking away, then the flag doesn't. Unless he comes back to that side. To me, that is very. That's a very simple adjustment because we've seen the flags come out late. After the ball's incomplete, we've seen those late flags. So we know that those guys have some some willingness to adjust in their mechanics and their automatic transition from from the play to a penalty. There's minor adjustments that happen. So I say all that to say, yes, he was offsides. He lined up offsides in the neutral zone. I understand the rule. But you also have situations throughout the game where you have used uh, warnings and other things where you did not call it initially. Why do that with just over a minute left in the game? I will never understand. I don't know why, as a as an official, if I'm a human who happens to be an official, why would I want that over my yeah. on my shoulders for the rest of this season and possible career?
4: Do you think that someone may have mentioned it to him earlier on in the game?
3: Oh, anything's possible.
4: You know, because th- that's that's the norm. You know, yeah. we both on a, even as an outside linebacker. When I get up on the line of scrimmage, you know, I look down that line of scrimmage, I'm trying to make sure, hey, I'm not over to IED Ford. You know, yeah. we're
3: going to talk about, we're going because I got yeah. the text line open, 913 576 7610. We got Delusional Daniel coming up, and we got some text about this as well. We're going to tackle that in the third quarter. Fire. Yeah, Julio, that's Fire. what I'm talking about.
2: He's Players on my only Christmas with Dan Hughes, Thursday night starting at 6 o'clock on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. All
3: right, we are back. Players only, third quarter, halftime over. This is Danon Hughes, and my special guest here, Desmond Moses, former linebacker with the Chiefs and the Packers. And the third quarter, Desmond, you got hot fire spit last last segment and we are in the third quarter. We go to the phone lines. Remember the phone lines, the text lines are open. 913-586-7610. That's 586-7610. We got Daniel. Daniel in the building. What's going on?
5: Hey Ben, hey uh, De- Desmond, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just got home from the Salvation Army bell ring, and uh, now I'm gonna say, Chiefs uh, did a pretty good job on the uh, uh, digs and uh, Davis. You know, they looked pretty good. And uh, I'd like to tell you something. Yeah, I, I don't blame the, uh, Mahomes for getting upset. Ben, there's no no excuse. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tony was all-, all sides on the first half. They didn't they didn't want to call it. Then they're gonna wait till a minute. They have to take the play away. So I'm not. You know, I'm not real frustrated about it, but sh- come on now! If 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 they're going to call the penalty, they should the referee should tell them to get back or say something. Don't don't wait a minute left in the game, so uh, to do it. So anyway, Chiefs will go 12 and five. Take care of yourself, guys.
3: We appreciate you, Dan. You know, he is. Excellent. Always an infusion of energy each and every week he calls, Des. I, I, I'm sure you remember him yeah. when you were on the show before. Oh, yeah. And doing a great job in the community, ringing the bell for Salvation Army. We appreciate you uh, as well. We, let's go to Big Jacks. Big Jacks in the building.
4: Danny, what's good, bro? How you doing?
3: Doing all right, bro. How you?
4: Oh, man, I'm good. What's up, Dez, man? What's up, Big Dog? I, I thought doing, that was bro? you. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, I, I, You know what, man? Uh, it has been uh, a trying week here, here in the Chiefs' kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that for – and specifically for uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think this is kind of the most adversity he's faced in terms of, you know, on the field or during the season uh, in his entire career. Uh, you know, his national perception has definitely been altered by – uh, his reaction to the bad call, which in a way I feel it was a bad call. Um, and, and, Dana, I guess I, I was, I'm checking with you because I, I thought I saw footage that showed Tony check with the the official on that side for that play. No?
3: Yeah, man, I appreciate you, Big Jacks. Yeah, I would say this, and I recapped that and I looked at every angle. It's one thing to check whether you're on the line of scrimmage, it's another thing to get confirmation mm. if you're on the line of scrimmage. And if you look at the the film and you watch Kadarius look to the sideline, I mean, it was in a blink of an eye that he looked and he, he got set up and then his eyes were focused on the ball the rest of the time. So if the official was just blinking, if he was just moving the sticks, if he was just adjusting his stance, like it was so quick, I'm not going to blame the officials for not seeing it. But I am blaming the officials for, for, for basically imparting themselves in that on a judgment situation because, again, you go back through the 60-plus plays in that game on each side of the ball, yeah. there was probably several judgment calls that those officials made or did not make based on the circumstances. And in the final drive of the game, I believe that was third down, second down or third down.
4: Yeah, it was a big um, play. It was
3: a big play. I just don't know that that's where you want to, like, you got to hang your hat on going home, go to sleep, as an official saying, like, I did my job. Because there were other times where you could have done your job as well and you chose not to. That's my yeah. point. And I would say that whether I was on the winning side or the losing side. No, I think it's different uh, if he was off, off sides and would have been the recipient, the initial recipient of a pass. Yeah. Or, uh, gave the defense an unfair advantage, then I get it. But in that circumstance, I just don't uh, see that that was uh, pertinent.
4: I mean, it, you know, one of my takes is, look, both sides got bad calls. One thing we probably can agree is that the refs have been consistently inconsistent.
3: Yeah. Exactly, consistently inconsistent, especially with all the reviews that were happening, Patrick throwing the ball down into the dirt and they calling it a fumble just to go back to review. It's like at yeah. some point you have to have the, you know, the 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 guts to be able to stand up and basically do your job without having to lean on the the replays and whether or not a coach would replay or throw out the red flag.
4: Well, you think about the play the week before, you know. Yeah, with the, pass the play and the on finish. the sideline. I mean, with the play on the sideline. Let's be clear. You know, as a defender, I stood up in my living room. I'm a Chiefs fan. I love the Kansas City Chiefs, but that play was a legal hit on Patrick Mahomes. The defender got to him. Patrick was trying to get an extra yard. Defender got to him. Both feet in bounds, and then it looked like what looked like. From a sports fan and a guy being around the game long enough, it looked like the referees took it into their hands to go ahead and make a makeup call. Mm -hmm. Then on a blatant pass interference, man jumps over the man back. Rise him for five your hearts. (laughs) Free Willie style.
3: (laughs) No flag. No flag. I get it, man. (laughs) Let's go to uh, uh, Mark Simpson. Mark Simpson, what you got?
5: Hey, let's go to Jim. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to ask you, you know, aren't these uh, players coached to push the limits? Aren't you, you know, re- I mean, you, you know, as far as any, you know, uh, defensive back build, you know, stuff like that, you know, push the limits, see how far you can get. You know, everybody's looking for an advantage. Oh, yeah.
3: Absolutely. It, Great. Yeah.
5: It, you, know, you know, another thing, too, and I'm just kind of disappointed in the coaches, uh, Basically telling us that uh, you know that's a young player, but you know at baseball age, he's been playing baseball. I mean football all his life. Yeah, I mean he he knows some of the basics. You mm-hmm. know that that's what's disappointing in, in him. You know, I mean you might you might have all the talent in the world, but you know you have all the potential, but that doesn't mean you're going to show on the field. And and my problem is, you know, I know he's talented, but he's already probably cost his team a few games. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's oh, just, it, it uh, happens. It happens. It, it happens. Yeah, you know, but it's happened too much. You know, he's basically—he's been in the leagues or he's played football long enough to, you know, be able to catch a ball sometimes. Yeah, I don't mean to be overly critical, or to line up. Hey, we are. You know, I'm not. I'm not asking him to basically know the know the offense. You just do some basics. Yeah, we you know, appreciate that's, it. That's what that's we're frustrated because we know this this team could basically, they could be in a Super Bowl.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We appreciate the call. Yeah, absolutely. This is a cha- championship caliber team. Uh, mistakes happen. I played baseball. Guys get picked off. Guys uh, swing at balls in the dirt. You practice all the time. You have discipline about the plate and the strike zone, and you have – whiffs i mean things happen it's about how you bounce back and i'm totally confident that this team will bounce back we'll tackle a few more texts i see one from the 816 about dan Olofsky uh and the refs is from the 816 as well even talking about the hall of fame whether draymond should be there quick answer yes he should be in the hall of fame based on his accolades but we're going to tackle more of that and then get into this new england patriots game next
2: Players only with Dana Hughes, Thursday night starting at 6 o'clock on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
3: All right, we are back, the fourth quarter of the show. Players only, I am Dana Hughes. I got my special guest, Desmond Moses. We tackled some callers in the last segment. I see we got one guy carried over, Mark. What's good? We'll give you some time in the fourth quarter. What's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Hey, I I think I'm just going to speculate here. I think some of
0: uh, Patrick's uh, frustration, like you said, was from maybe that pass interference call the week before. And I just got one comment on that. I'm like, I know we can't replay everything, but I will tell you what. If these referees can get together and huddle and two minutes after the play's over throw a flag for intentional grounding because they review it, well, do the damn same thing for pass interference, and let's move on. <laughs> yeah, and that's all I got to say. Yeah,
3: I appreciate you, Mark. I I definitely think in this day and age there should be some tweaking to how games are officiated. I, they they do things incrementally during the season or each season, but I feel like there's times, especially with uh, the video footage and and the immediate nature, and then even the gambling and all that that you have to factor in that. It's more important in the later stages of games to get plays right. Um, they've made they've made steps, but I feel like there's still some other tweaks that doesn't take away from, you know, the nature of the game, but also uh, puts you in a position where th- we're not talking about the refs the next day.
4: Here's my hope is that, you know, the NFL has just implemented the gambling piece. My hope and prayer is that this doesn't change or affect the integrity of the game kind of like it did for the NBA. There's a documentary out about referees and about, you know, they yeah. got involved in the gambling side. I hope the game Brian can Don- remain. Donaghy. I hope the game can remain pure because this is the game we love. The game yeah. that I'm a huge fan of that I fell in love with, you know, and that the world fell in love with. I hope it can remain pure and that the best players in the world can determine the outcome of the game.
3: I agree. Uh, we got a couple texts from Draymond. Ain't nothing without Curry and Clay. Want to be <laughs> Rodman. Uh, uh, he is the product of being on a great team just like Rodman was. Like, if you put Rodman on, you know, the the Sacramento Kings back in the day, I don't know we would be talking about him. So uh, I, I agree with that. Please watch a video from Dan Olofsky showing where KT lined up offsides. I actually retweeted that from the 816. I retweeted that. If you notice on that vil, film, uh, Kadarius Tony, all the other times he was lined up on the right side. Mm. Uh, on the Bills sideline, so that official deemed that he was not offsides, even though he was lined up the same exact way. Hmm. So I don't, I think that's apples to oranges comparison. Appreciate the text, but the one time that he lined up on the left side, that's when it got called. So it was two different officials uh, factoring into that. All right, Des, we only got a few minutes left. I want to get your take on this upcoming Patriots game, uh, where. We stand. It's a winnable game against a team that's only won three games. Reeling, yeah. uh, a lot of drama going on off the field as well with decisions that may f- affect the entire organization. But we're after lo- Where are we after losing two games and yeah. coming on this game?
4: This is a trap game for Kansas City. You know, this is this is a game that is scary for Kansas City only for the simple fact that the New England Patriots have nothing to lose. This is a team and an organization that are trying to rally around one another. Their head coach, you know, one of the best historical coaches in the game. This guy's on his way out. There's guys that have a lot of respect for him, a lot of love for him, that want to see Bill Belichick go out on top, that want to see Bill Belichick beat Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. These guys are still professional football players. Mm -hmm. These guys still have a lot of pride. They're going to go out and give Kansas City a run for the money. Kansas City's not playing well. They have to go out, tighten up some things. They got to play. This well, is a scary one to me.
3: Yeah, this can be a scary one. Uh, I don't expect the Chiefs to lose. No. Uh, but at the same time, I recognize that down the home stretch, it's about playing quality football. And this is one of those games where you'd love to have a win, and uh, and you know we all know whether the game is scored three to two, we like to win. But I feel like this is a game that needs to be a double score game because I feel like that will catapult the confidence in the entire team and the entire organization back to the level uh, that we can feel confident moving towards the playoffs, especially with the remaining schedule we have. So, yeah, Bailey Zappi, the quarterback for the Patriots, what they're dealing with, Juju Smith-Schuster, been in and out of the lineup, Uh, the wide receiving core, the playmaking Ability is not necessarily up to par with us, Um, and I feel really confident about this, but you still got to play the game. There's still a lot of pride in that organization. Uh, They've been champions as well, and Bill Belichick, just 19 wins away from passing Don Shula, and I feel like if you are not playing for the playoffs, if you're a player that's been on that team uh, for a long period of time, then you're going to take some pride in trying to move him closer to that record. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough battle. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. They've won three games. Oh, yeah. So they beat
4: teams. They're still Kansas City Chiefs, though. Every team wants to come out and beat the defending champs.
3: Exactly. So they've been circling this, and they recognize that, especially with them being out of the playoff hunt, this is kind of their Super Bowl. This is their playoffs. Right here. And they're going to come out battling at home, and we have to be ready for it. Desmond, I appreciate you coming in, brother. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for coming out. And for everybody that called and uh, the text line, we appreciate all the participation and players only each and every week. And we'll look to be back next week after a win to move us back in the, the fight for that number one seed in the AFC and have another AFC championship go through GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. So for players only and Julio, this is Dane and Hughes. We'll see you next week.
2: Peace. Players Only with Dane and Hughes, Thursday night starting at 6 o'clock on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit
1: HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.